I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Any nibbles? Okay, here we go. Let's get this horse and pony show on the road. This week, Celtic are back from an international break and that's music to our ears. First up, it's Hamilton, then we'll be singing in the rain as our European adventure kicks off in style. All this and more on this episode of 20 Minute Tims. This is 20 Minute Tims, episode 190. I am joined this week by Martin Melly. Yes. And Stephen. That's true. And I am, of course, Jamie. And with the international break over... Thankfully. There's a thrilling encounter at Hamilton (laughs) to discuss. So we are glad, definitely glad to be back. Before we get into that, we have the Patreon to plug, as we do at this point in the podcast. If you've been listening to us for a while, you know that we offer a Patreon. We are in exchange for support for the podcast. We offer you extra podcasts um, over the last week or so. We've done something a bit new, Stephen, haven't we, with the Patreon? We, we introduced player profiles we looked at and scouted the new arrivals in the name of Boyer, Frimpong, O'Connor, Taylor and Elianusi. Yeah, Bauer. Bauer. Oh, <laughs> it's him. Have turned it's you putting that Boyer in my head. <laughs> Melly's poisoned us all by mispronouncing Bill's name for the last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, the scouting reports have begun down extremely well. Uh, we thought it'd be it'd be a good way to wrap up the, the transfer window dealings to properly look at certain players, uh, mainly the ones who came in in the last week or so, the El Ganusi, and really we, we looked at the key areas that had been strengthened, so fullback and the left winger come number 10 or whatever Ilyanusi is going to prove to be, played a wee bit on the left against Hamilton Ackes, which we'll come on to. So it was really less about individual players than areas strengthened. So we broke it down into, say, for example, left back with Greg Taylor and Lee O'Connor on one episode, uh, Frimpong and Bauer on one because they're the major right back signings. And Ilyanusi got one all on his own because he's the most important one, according to Melly. He's yes, been he very is. excited about this one. It was a bit different, Melly. We actually we took a deep dive. We actually commissioned some scouting and we looked at each player's strengths and weaknesses and we made our predictions for how we thought they would feature in the Celtic team going forward. Yeah, it was good good to see. We used a bit of Y Scout, used a bit of scouting as well. I'm dead excited by El Yunusu personally. Stephen, yeah. probably Leo Connor's your man, isn't he, since he's from Man United? Yeah, it's, uh, it's something a wee bit, something a, wee, a little je ne sais quoi about him. I don't really know um, what position he's going to be just yet because he can play a number of them, but I'm just looking forward to seeing him and it might be sooner than we think. I was just about to say, with Jozo undergoing surgery, yeah. 
We've had uh, beat on out as well. We're, we're running, just back, yeah. Running short of centre half, so... We also have coming up next week, we have a match companion, as we will have for every away European match against Stade Rennais. Um, and, uh, Stade we, Rennais from Ligue 1. Yes, yeah. and we have the, the phone-in. Um, yes. Now, that'll be moved. That's Usually we do that on the Thursday for the patrons. We record it on the Thursday, yeah. but we'll obviously have to move it because we're watching the Celtic. Again, the biggest failing of Celtic season so far has been put out of the Champions League and interfering with the recording of the Patreon phone-in. An absolute disgrace. And uh, that's about it. Except it's not. <laughs> well... Many people have been in touch with us to ask just when is the O'Neill Year's coming back? It's the best thing you do. We love the O'Neill Year's uh, and we can announce that it is coming back this week. No spoilers, but it is a big one. Um, we are at a certain point in the O'Neill Year's story and this is what the next episode is going to be about. The biggest one. Yeah. We mentioned for Having a Rank as well. There's a brand new episode of Having a Rank and that will be dropping just very shortly. It's an A to Z this time of unsung heroes for Celtic, so keep an eye out for that. It's going to be a long one. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And of course, if any of that sounds of interest to you or you want to just check out some more information, that is on patreon.com slash 20minutes. Now, let's get into it. Hope you're sitting comfortably. I hope you've got... Uh, a, a napkin to m- dry your moist brow because this is <laughs> an absolute thrill ride. Celtic one, Hamilton Academical nil. Three points, guys. Now we can move on. So what's the next <laughs> game? Uh, I just another lamentable game of football played on a plastic pitch. plastic pitches. Now normally I don't really get myself too wound up about these things, but now I, I think it was just the final straw yep. there. Um, I know many people have been saying it over the years and I just kind of let it go. I was just like, oh, look, both teams need to play on it. So Celtic should win out. But I've I've totally changed my mind on that now. It's just, it's a total hindrance to the, the Scottish football. Brendan Rodgers was even talking about it, how it just it ruins the credibility yeah. of Scottish football. And I, and I totally agree now because that on Saturday was, it's like the, the curtain raiser for the whole weekend. It's the first game on Saturday. You're up against Liverpool on the other side. So it's, the, it's a chance... It's like a, a showcase, and what we get served up is just, it's got no chance of having a shot at being a good game. The surface, I, I'm assuming it's deliberately dry as well by Hamilton's yeah. tactics to just keep it as, as dry and bouncy as possible. But it's like, you, you could be sitting there, you could be sitting down, like gearing up. I've got nothing on this weekend, they're gearing up for just a whole weekend of football. You get a wee beer and some crisps, whatever your snack is, <laughs> and you think, right, I'm just going to watch football all day. So you sit down and the first one is Celtic, Celtic Hamilton and after you'd be like, I'll see what else is on. There's a, there's a is there issue, a Columbo on? There's a real issue with these plastic pitches and, as you said, Stephen, first of the aesthetics of it from a televisual yeah, point of dreadful, view. Yeah. It looks dreadful. The cameras are already crap at a stadium like Hamilton with the half-full grounds and the bus that they used to have and then that absolutely <laughs> dreadful plastic pitch. Secondly, even the Hamilton players mainly didn't look comfortable in it at <laughs> points. Now, strangely enough, the first 15 minutes was okay and then as the game went on, the players looked less and less comfortable but I was watching it and then towards the end of the game, especially the last 15 minutes, Hamilton players were doing that funny run you do yeah. on a plastic pitch because they couldn't really judge it or control themselves probably it's absolutely abysmal I was lucky enough to be at the game well, <laughs> lucky maybe and just as Stephen said I've never been so excited for going to Hamilton away but then 15 minutes later after the game starts I thought this is dreadful 
again, we're trying to sell this game. I felt sorry for, really sorry for Julian. There was times he was winning headers, the ball would bounce, and it would bounce behind him. <laughs> probably, what is going on? <laughs> the guy just looked, he, he played okay, he was solid enough. I thought he was pretty good, yeah. There was just bounces that was going everywhere. You could see ball and goalie, he's obviously not used to it either. El Yunusi, even when Celtic get the goal, it's not as if he's got the ball completely under control. It's absolutely abysmal. And you, you can think back to last season, we beat Kilmarnock 1-0 on the plastic pitch, Scott Brown. We drew 0-0 Livingston, we get beat by Kilmarnock. I was at these games, none of them were good. None of them were entertaining. We've got another plastic pitch. I got a bit of a, I got a bit of hope last season because... Well, Kamarnock have got a plastic pitch, but we're playing them at home next week. Yeah. And Livingston have got a plastic pitch, aren't, don't yeah, they? Yeah, we've got them in a couple of weeks. You've got them in a couple of weeks. See, when Kamarnock told us last year that they were ripping up their plastic pitch, I thought it was thought it was great. I didn't know they meant they were putting another one <laughs> back down. A cheaper one. I, these plastic pitches, I, I really, I don't have any time for them. And as before, it ruins it as a spectacle. It sounds like we're making excuses, but I think after you've won a game, it is the time to complain yeah, about this because yeah. we're, we're not coming away sour grapes here. We're, we've maybe got enough in each draw and we're blaming the pitch. That's not the case at all. We're just we're just lamenting the lack of a footballing spectacle that we've just been robbed of because of that pitch it's not the only thing obviously but it just Brendan Rodgers was right you you struggle to think (laughs) you struggle to think of a single good game that's been played on it Bollingoli even like individual players Bollingoli was actually really good but something he is quite fond of when he dribbles or tries to move forward with the ball is he rolls his left foot over the ball quite frequently that's that's just how he chooses to change direction he couldn't do it because of the pitch it just kept sticking under his studs and all that and it was it's just again it's a word I don't use lightly embarrassing having that on the telly and just I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take to fix it because people have been moaning about this for years, and nothing. If anything, we've now got more plastic pitches in the top flight than ever. We mentioned them. We scouted them. He got his debut, uh, Mohamed Elianusi. You were there to see it, Melly. How do you think the big man got on in his first game in a Celtic shot? He done okay. It's really hard to judge the guy. First game, he's not played a lot at all this season, so he'll just be building up his match fitness. Go on to that pitch, you'll be like, oh, come on, what's happening here? But I suppose he'll be used to yeah. it. There's a lot in Norway. Isn't Norway, it? I think, is about 60% of um, plastic pitches, but again, it that's a long time ago. That, that's very true. And that's a long time ago now as well. He certainly wouldn't have been playing on many of them with Southampton, or there might be a few in Switzerland as well, right yeah. enough. But um, it's not something it would be totally alien to him, but to just get pitched in in your debut is quite unfortunate. Actually, just as I said, I wonder if this figures into transfers like would you give a player on loan to a team that play about 30% of their away games on well I funny you should mention that because I was thinking this when the when Yama thing came up and he obviously he's got a bad yeah, knee yeah. doesn't he just just like Jozo and Jozo doesn't play on the plastic yeah. pitches so I, I think you're right I think if we ever if we go up when Yama in January I think we'd probably not see him on plastic pitches but yeah. there's kind of like Someone, both camps can't be right here because the people that endorse plastic pitches say there is no increased risk of injury, yet players with injuries such as Jozo's don't are informed not to play on plastic yeah. pitches. They both can't be right. Yeah, it's, the injuries, yeah, maybe there is no evidence, but there's a lot of evidence to say that the games are terrible right. on them, yeah. and they usually are. But on to you know, say, I, I wouldn't say I was disappointed that his first game back, but looking at the starting lineup. It's the exact team I would have picked from the players available. Yeah. It was good to see El Hamid back in there. Bowen Goa deserves to keep his place. And it's the first time we've got to see Julian and Aya in a league match together. 
Midfield three has been the same most of the season, and then the three up top, well, you know, see on the left because Mikey Johnson's out. That's exactly where they're going. Hard to say. The first 15 minutes, some really good stuff, got the early goal, but after that, it just, the game became scrappy. And look, there's going to be plenty of these games over the season. Yeah. And yeah. see if you come away with a win in a game like that. I'll take that every day because we're just going to be count ticking off games till we get to this title and hopefully we go on and win it but there's going to be games like this we've already had games where we've taken teams apart we've had good performances off the back of an international break a couple of new players in before our European game on the plastic pitch against a terrible team it was windy it was just a, yeah. wasn't it a great day for football but we got that we got the three points we got debuts um Everybody came out pretty unscathed and a clean sheet as well. I heard a stat during the game that supposedly Hamilton Aggies have only beaten Celtic twice since the 50s. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of them, the Hamilton Aggies haven't beaten Celtic since October 2014. Remember they, beat, they won 1 0 at Celtic yeah. Park? Yeah. But that's, it. Yeah, that's, um, that's 10 straight wins against Hamilton Aggies, stretching back to a 1 1 draw in 2016 as well. A couple of famous names in the Aggies lineup oh, yeah. uh, Stubbs's boy. Alan Stubbs' son and the son of former Middlesbrough ace Jan Agafjortoft as well, Marcus Fjortoft. I heard, I heard the Fjortoft and Stubbs' names and I did think, but I didn't know yeah. for sure that they were actually definitely sons. Hamilton are just one of those teams, you don't really take much notice of them until you play them. They signed Blair Alston from St Johnston in the summer, he's a sort of main man and behind the striker. Mm. To be honest, they didn't. It was a 1-0 game, but it was a fairly dominant one, even though we didn't create that many chances. But there wasn't many points in the game where you were worried about conceding a goal. No. They, they really tested Foster, and to be fair, we didn't really test their keeper too much. Foster, I kind of flagged up after the Rangers game that he looks a wee bit wooden, and I, and I thought that was kind of the same in this game as well. Is There was one time, he, he never was one for this, but it was one time he, he came for a cross and then dropped it on the yeah. striker's head. It just, he looks a bit immobile and I know that he's a, he's a huge guy he's, he's not necessarily going to be the most nimble but I, I just wonder if it's just that sort of lack of match sharpness he's played a few games now but I don't know he just he looks like in a little wardrobe standing out there well, he's played three three games in what five weeks maybe yeah, so yeah. he's not he's not getting a consistent run of it hopefully now we can get a good few games in before the next international break <laughs> one shot on target he had to deal with <laughs> right okay yeah, the Hamilton keeper had two incidentally speaking of Foster something I've been quite enjoying doing now that he's back and has been back for like with a huge gap in between I quite look, like looking back and seeing when the last time Fraser Foster would have played against Hamilton Ackies or played away to Hamilton Ackies in their stadium which is now called something Preposterous! What Fountain is it? The, the Fountain of Youth Stadium, of course. Really? Uh, yep. The last time he played there was January 2011. One each with Stokes scoring a 90th minute penalty after James Forrest was sent off early in the second half. Freddie Lundberg came <laughs> off the bench for Celtic that day. So that was the last time Big Fraser was uh, away to Hamilton Aggies. Speaking of the Fountain of Youth Stadium capacity, six thousand. So they left about seven hundred free seats. <laughs> thanks to Sean Butler again, hundred and eighty grand. No thanks, don't Se- need it. 700 free seats is actually a lot less than I expected. Yeah, to be fair, they did give Celtic a good allocation. We had down the, the shed thing, which is an absolute abomination, behind the goal, and I was on uh, the main stand uh, down the left-hand side, but plenty of free seats up Hamilton's area. Don't need them, mate. <laughs> 
leaving money on the table again. Yeah, no, we need money because we need to get this plastic pitch down because we need to bring in as much money as possible. <laughs> but see that 180 grand that we can get for tickets that people want to go to football? We'll leave that. Um, just on the, on the lineup, other things to discuss. Now, we did put some questions to the patrons on this episode because we thought, you know, international break. They'll, they'll yeah. have a few bits and bobs they want to get off their chest. Ross Matanz asked us, is it time to give McGregor a rest? Maybe giving Cham more game time. It does feel like Callum is starting to burn out a little and can do with a proper rest. And he wasn't the only one that asked that. There was several people that asked that. So do you think maybe we should look at mixing things up? I think it's fair to say, Melly, that Neil Lennon in the early stages here seems to be struggling to get the absolute best out of McGregor. Yeah, something... Him and Brown, they sort of take up each other's positions. Mm. We went from having one at the base to two at the base to give uh, Scott Brown that bit more help about him. Ryan Christie's been fine, but Kill McGregor, he's ticking over. He's just doing what he does. He doesn't want to be dropped. He'll no. not want to be dropped because what happens if Encham comes in and has another good game? We've got Rogic back, coming back onto the bench, another good boost. We've got options in there. These guys won't want to lose their place. Thing is, it's not up to them and it shouldn't be because you know, Kieran Tierney didn't want to be dropped for any games and look what happened to him eventually. And uh, like... You say that, but then you go away to Hamilton, terrible pitch. You've got a chance to go six points ahead of Rangers if you drop Callum McGregor and then you drop points. Yeah. Why did you do that? So I think... Saturday was all about getting our strongest team out, getting the win, getting the three points and moving on. We'll have Thursday night. McGregor's chance to get a rest will probably be next midweek when we've got Thistle in the yeah. uh, League Cup. It'll be a chance for Encham and Rogic to play then. But plenty of time for that. It's all very well saying it after the fact, I suppose, isn't yeah. it? After the game but it, in which he's looked a bit leggy. Because really you could apply it to any game where, you know, if you took that guy out and you dropped points, then that would be the focus of the mm-hmm. of the you know coverage afterwards. What's the only game we've not won this season? Cluj. And where was Cal McGregor? <laughs> Cal McGregor left he back, was at of left course, back yeah. instead of centre midfield. So. In Cham, yeah, I think In Cham deserves a bit, of, a bit of game time without question. I don't think... I think he's looked really good when he's when he's played. Certainly, was excellent when he came on against Rangers. Um, I, I think I'd like to see him, but but I do agree. Like it's it's hard to leave out a guy like McGregor because he performs so many functions and within the team. Because Brown can't play every game either, no. so is there a chance mm-hmm. to get McGregor and Cham into a couple of games and then Brown and Cham? I think that's a better pairing because I yeah. think we know we know what Brown and Cham looks like, don't we? Yeah, well, that's true. Not yeah. Good. yeah. It's good to have Rogic on the bench as well. A lot of people saying, "Oh, we should sell him," or. He's been out too long, but don't forget, watching the a wee round-up of all his goals, the guy has got magic in his boots. It's another option. And as we keep saying, we're going to be playing 60 games a season. We can't just be left with three midfielders. Well, we've, we've discussed Roderick before, though, and Stephen you know, coined the phrase, you're just not your work enough. <laughs> now, the, the thing about Roderick is, I think he's... If you sit down and watch a YouTube compilation of Roderick's goals, he scored some great goals. But I struggle to find many games where he's really, really imposed himself, especially on the big stage. You know, he scores great goals, but he flits in and out of games. I mean, remember the statistic we pulled out not so long ago? Like He's been out injured or on international duty for 38% of Celtic's games. And he's only, of all the games he's played, he has only completed 90 minutes in 18% of his games. That's... uh... It's one of those stats that makes you really kind of makes you groan. Really, you're kind of off. But with Tom Rogic, you mentioned you know, performances versus big goals. 
it's yeah, you're right. It's hard to think back because he has been off for quite a long time now. It was definitely part of that period last season. We've talked about so many times where Brown came out of the team and he played with McGregor and Christie and was part of a really excellent footballing period for Celtic. But he has been out a long time now. I mean, we're, we're only the first appearance as a cup final. Yeah, that's right. He's been out. He hasn't played this season. It's good to see him back. You can't have too many good players, but no. I, I don't really see where he fits in short term at the moment. If you're going to drop Christie, that's a huge. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't mean drop. I just mean leave out for a game. I don't. I don't. I hesitate to use the word drop because it, it sounds like it's such a negative thing. But if you're going to leave out a player like Christie and put Rogic in, you're just not going to get anywhere near the same level of performance and. And stamina and and contribution at the moment, despite the fact that Rogic has always got that bit of bit of magic in him. He's a he's a good he's a good player to have. Uh, another good player to have, Melly, especially this season, is James Forrest, who is continuing on electric form yeah. uh, as it is scored again against Hamilton. So that's James Forrest's last ten games: nine starts, seven goals, and five assists. Yeah, he's been smashing. I was a wee bit disappointed he scored, but because I did put a tenner on Ellen City score first, yeah. but oh, I'll take, take it. Three minutes into the game, it's what we want to see is Edward picks up the ball. Good interplay between him and Ellie Nussi. Ellie Nussi manages to get it under control in that pitch, puts it across, and when one winger's got the ball, Stephen, what do I want? The other one, the other coming, one coming in. in. Yeah. And that's exactly what we got. Edward drops it deep, gets the ball, puts it out to the other forward who crosses for the other forward. You love to see it. <laughs> it was an underrated touch from El Unice because it did really well to get it out from underneath his feet on that surface. It looks as if it was about to bobble up his shins when it first comes to him, but he manages to get away from him. And an assist within the first like, three and a half minutes of your Celtic debut, you can't. He was actually unlucky not to score yeah. in the first 50 odd seconds as well, where a really cracking drive kind of on the volley that was blocked. But yeah, a, a good contribution. And Forrest. He's got seven goals now this season. To give that a bit of perspective, that's seven goals in thirteen games. It Five took him, yeah, it took him twenty three games last season to get seven goals, and that was his best ever scoring season. So every chance he could absolutely blow that out of the water. Yeah, he's looking great. I really starting to like that strip a lot yeah, more. Yeah. I always liked it, but it's really, really growing. It looks, I mean, it, it looks great. Yeah, looks. Apart. It's definitely better than the home strip. Uh, uh, Do you like the home? You said the home strip was growing on you. Uh, yeah, but I think I was just caught up in misty-eyed post-Huns game. Oh, <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. I think I was, <laughs> I was just high on life at that <laughs> one. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy the new one. But I think it's, it's all right. It's far too much weight in it for me. Still, too much weight in the shoulders. But have you noticed? I've got to a point now in football shirt culture, uh, not the website, but in real life, that new strips now cost less than old ones. Like if you want like a retro yeah. strip, yeah, some guys on, on eBay, eBay selling it for like eighty quid. You're like, no, it's okay. I'll just buy the new one then. <laughs> it's a tough, tough world we live in. The the one thing, you... sure is, Melly. Strip looks good. Do you know what I don't like, boys? What? I think there was four of them I counted out there. Blue boots on. Like, hey, is that right? Lenny, no. do the Jimmy Bell and get that. No, no, we're no. above all that. That's what I like about Celtic. We are above all that. I actually like the idea of like back when Dembele was like scoring goals against them with blue boots on. I actually, I'm, I'm all for that. James Forrest, a final thing. I was actually looking back because I was trying to find out his like best scoring records and all that. Um, but I actually discovered that he claims to have given up on a career in tennis. To, to go full time in football, <laughs> I feel like I vaguely heard something like this before. Sean Maloney and, was good at tennis. Yeah, that's right. And then I just spent quite a long time imagining James Forrest playing tennis and then just <laughs> running about. <laughs> just, we flailing. I arms. just found it endlessly entertaining <laughs> in my own head for a wee while there. Yeah, maybe that's why his arms do that. <laughs> <he's got. laughs> 
the racket in there. So Celtic scored 1-0. Um, Edward wasn't having the best of luck in front of goal, as you said, but Hamilton sat really deep, and, and these teams are always going to be difficult to break down. They are. Look, we got the early goal, and it's just one of those early goals you think, oh, we're not going to lose this game now. Yeah, I yeah. thought the floodgates were going to open after that. But fair play to Hamilton, they stuck at it. It just became one of those games where we got the goal. Maybe a, a wee bit of a lethargic performance, maybe not had a lot of preparation whenever they'd been away in international duty. But as I said, I just don't ever think we were, till the last 10 minutes when they were just shelling balls forward, but we were never under the under the cosh, under any pressure. They'd one shot on target. Celtic controlled the game without creating too many chances, but it was a 1-0 dominant. And the second goal would have sealed it, but we didn't deserve a second goal. They didn't deserve an equaliser. It was a fair result in the end. Yeah. Neil Lennon did make a change up front when he bought Bio on for Edward. Now, yeah. key for me is he's bought Bio on over Griffiths yet again. Hmm. Um, Griffiths seems to be slipping down the peck order a wee bit here. Yeah, just as Paul Deveni asked on the on the Patreon, says, do you think that Lennon playing Bio against Hearts and bringing him on against Hamilton, he's now Lennon's preferred second choice striker over Griffiths, or is Lennon looking to assess him in competitive matches and see what kind of player have you got on your hands? For me, um, Melly, I think it's the first one there. I think I think we can firmly establish now that Bio is probably second choice striker. Yeah, I believe so. If you're going to be trying to assess a guy you're not doing it in games we need to win. Yeah. Neil Lennon's not going to have any sentiments. He's going to want to win football games, get ahead. Again, that was a chance. Go six points ahead of Rangers before they played. Put a wee bit of pressure on. Yeah, they were at home at Livingston, but six points behind after five games, they'd have been a wee bit a wee bit scared of that, so they needed to get the win. So, now I'd say Bio's definitely second choice. And do you know what? I don't know... If he probably deserves it. He's played well against Hearts. It's hard to say he's coming on for wee appearances here and there, but uh, Edward didn't have much luck, but I don't think MD was having any in that day. Just on, on Griffith, Stephen, he's no started since the Fermlin. Mm. He, he never played. That was the 17th of August. He never completed the full 90 there. Started against Motherwell on the 10th of August and scored. That was his last goal for his. His last 90 minutes was against Nomi Caldew on the really? 30th oh. of July. Um, do you think it's the, the pecking order is Edward Bio and now Griffith dropped out at number three? It could be. It certainly is bearing out that way in the last few games. The thing is, Griffiths, it seemed like he'd just picked up where he left off yeah. all those months ago. It looked as if he was absolutely on fire, scored three goals in fairly quick succession, and now it really seems to have fallen off a wee bit. I'm not sure what the thinking is, whether Bayo just deserves it more in training, I'm not sure. Um, Griffiths, we, when he came back, I think we were all we all agreed on this podcast, I think we all voiced a kind of note of caution about it. We don't really know what where he is in his career at the yeah. moment. I know it's great to have him back and he looks fit and he looks all that. Although Neil Lennon did say he was a wee bit off with his fitness. That was just a case of working on that. And we thought that's what was going to happen. He was just going to, he's going to take his place, maybe competing with Edward. But it, for some reason, that just hasn't happened. Whether that is Griffiths has fallen back a wee bit in his fitness or whether Bio has streaked ahead of him yeah. in the trainer, I, I just don't know yet. But it can only be a good thing. It can only be a good thing having competition if it spurs Lee Griffiths on to reclaim his place because he, we all know, we all know sitting here that Lee Griffiths will firmly believe that he should be the number one striker yeah, and so he should. That, again, that's what strikers are supposed to think. They're supposed to think they're the number one guy and when he comes in and scores a goal, that's that's exactly what he'll be saying to the manager. So again, Melly's fond of saying it, competition kills complacency and if Bio has come in 
and finally arrived as a Celtic player, although we are kind of yet to see it. He's looked fine in a few performances, but if Lennon likes what he sees, then, then by all means. I sort of said, by all means. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of said uh, during the transfer window that we could have done with a striker, and I, I kind of believe that. Now, I've not seen enough of Bio to make a, an absolute judgment on it, and it's, it's obviously going to be difficult when you've got a, a player like Odson Edward in front of you, who's, is very, he's, I mean, you're, you're realistically, you're not going to shake him off a peg, you know. No, but it, the thing is, you, you're right because if Edward gets injured, and we're yeah. left with those two guys who were not, we're still not that sure about. Then that, that's an altogether different scenario. And maybe Afalabi isn't as far off as we would like to think, or the the position might have become more of a priority. But, but we don't know about that either. But if Edward was to pick up an injury, maybe get five or six weeks out, that would be that would be certainly something to keep an eye on. It, it touches on something that Raki Malik asks on the Patreon. It says, "Is this the strongest squad depth?" we've had since the Rats first season we seem to have I know we seem to have at least two good players for every position including plenty of wide options and three strikers we're like a watered down Man City <laughs> watered uh, down but in a good way he right, says okay. <laughs> that's exactly what we should be shouldn't yeah, it we yeah. were at the end of the season we were looking at the squad we were left with and that we need a massive rebuild here then we were told we didn't need a rebuild <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we got a rebuild we got a rebuild <laughs> But yeah, I think what we've done is address every position. If you're being picky, maybe you want another midfielder in, but keeping Rogic and Cham, I don't think it was pressing yeah. right now. Up front, we need Griffiths Bio, we don't know, time will tell, but we need to give them time. They've yeah. got till yeah. January to prove they should be the second choice striker. Edward is by far and away out number one. Is going to be very difficult to replace him when he does go or find somebody even close to playing at the level he can play at. So we'll need to see how they get on. But I, I agree with Racking with unless we could some of the players that have come in could be duds, but by the looks of it look there'll be good options to have. We've got two fullbacks on each side, we've got Frimpong who can cover on each side as well. Elianusi adds cover and competition for Johnson. We've still got Scott Sinclair out there. Johnny Hayes got a goal. Have we? <laughs> well, John, no, because Johnny yeah. Hayes came on against there, which and Sinclair didn't even make the bench on this occasion. He's still there. We've got Johnny Hayes and we've got Lewis Morgan as well, who scored recently in Stockholm. So there's wingers there. Marion Shved's not had a look in. There's plenty of mm. players there. So it's looking good. Maybe, the, as I said earlier, the Thistle game, we'll get a look at some of these guys. But there's plenty of competition there. Just on the wing scenario then, is it maybe time, much like a couple of questions I've said about giving McGregor a rest, is it time to give Forrest a rest as well? Because it's all very well having all these guys, but if they can't come in and play the odd game at the expense of James Forrest, maybe give him a break. Because Scott Brown doesn't play international football anymore, so he gets the odd the odd break, so maybe he can play a wee bit more than we think. But James Forrest just plays absolutely every single game, every single minute to an, to an extent. So is it time to maybe give one of these guys a I, I, I mean, I don't know. I think James Forrest is a different situation because he's no, he's in the form of his life yeah, at the moment. Yeah. And, and to hook him, you may risk that. And he'd, he'd also look at go, look, uh, I'm happy yeah. to go. But whereas McGregor, I think you could say to McGregor, look, I've got a couple of important games mm-hmm. coming up. I need you in the European ties. I'm going to do the old Fergie on doing him. the old Fergie, not dodging him, but saying that I've got some, I've got some specially picked out games <laughs> for you. See, having mm-hmm. said that, James Forrest never looks like he's wearing it all that badly. The the stress of playing all these games, the likes of you know Tierney did look as if he was about yeah. to fall apart at times, and McGregor has looked a 
wee bit leggy in the last couple of games. It doesn't really happen with James Forrest. He's not great in every single game because that would be impossible, but he never looks as if he's just outright shattered. So maybe maybe it is a case of just, just let him go. The difference, I think, this year is, as Rakim said, we have got at least two players for every position. So as I said earlier, James Forrest won't want Shred or somebody else to come in and if they get a goal, the match thinks, oh, I can play him a lot more. Same with McGregor. These guys will want to keep their place. They want to play in the big games. And maybe Kilmarnock at home and then Thistle at home next week. That'll be the ones where you see a bit of rotation. But if these guys are in playing well and their numbers are doing okay, it'll be all right now. We're still early in the season. Final thing on the depth. It's something we covered a wee bit in the Scouting Report podcast we did on Patreon where I talked about how I was... I was so much happier with the fullback situation. Yeah. After a couple of years of having concerns about it, we were throwing everything at it. We were having Jack Hendry at right back. We were having Ayer at right back. Johnny Hayes at left back. Callum McGregor at left back. Well, finally, just it looks like a really solid roster of fullbacks. And I include the younger guys in that, like Frimpong and O'Connor, right? They might not play an awful lot, but they are, they are at least there. It's, we've gone from having two real problem positions with the departure of Tierney to... You probably couldn't get the Lennoxton door open for bumping into fullbacks now. It's just absolutely everywhere. Um, speaking of squad depth and selection, Julian and I, that's our, that's that's the best. That's the first choice, isn't it, Melly? First choice centre half pairing. Looks like it going forward. Uh, Beton's done well when he's come in, but as we know, he's not a natural centre back. He's had injury problems. Same with Jozo. It might be a position we're happy with the squad right now, but come January, maybe that and up front is where we need to have a mm. look at because of the injuries. But uh, Ayer and Julian, if you're picking a pairing, that'd be the one. Hopefully you can strike up a relationship going forward. El Hamid, again, done well on the right. And Bolongoli, he was looking a lot more confident, as he said. Yeah. Building up his confidence. He was taking players on. He was trying to get crosses in. Good crosses, couple actually. couple of wee yeah. nice touches. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last couple of minutes, yeah. a ball over, a wee Lubo-esque touch. So it was, the defence looked good and it didn't look like they could be broken down. So it's looking a bit more solid. It's the first time that back four have played together yep. since the well, Firmland. Yeah, the, the first time. Yeah, well, the back four, uh, excluding Foster, is the, the first time they've played together since the Firmland. And that was the time where we looked at Julian and thought, oh, I don't know, he looks a bit dodgy. So it, it, it does show you just you need a few games to come in. And sometimes it is quite important to have a little bit of stability at the yeah. back and, and Julian looks as if he's benefiting from that already just on Julian won't spend too much time talking about it another head knock um, we've been talking about this in this podcast I think since we started I, I hate to say we've Aye. been leading the charge on it but we certainly <laughs> have been talking about it since we started football remains one of the only sports I can think of where getting knocked out doesn't mean the end of your match yeah and it's it's horrible to see this kind of thing because if you follow any other sports, which, which I think we all do, and like combat sports and stuff like that, it's not like it in boxing. You get knocked out and people come on and examine you and think, right, right he's all right. He can do another 15 minutes here. He'll be yeah. fine after that. That doesn't happen. That's it. It's over. Um, emerged after the game that he said himself, he blacked out. He was unconscious, at least temporarily. And it's it, crazy. I know. It's, it's, it's crazy. Ludicrous. Yeah. I know. And, and I've talked perhaps nonsensically in the past about having like an extra sub like a, like yeah. a sort of mandatory sub for someone who has been like rendered unconscious right you can't have a guy play on because you don't have any subs left and I'm, I'm no expert like I'm not like brain surgeon here <laughs> well I know that's a shock to the listeners <laughs> here but uh, 
I know people will say, I but the doctors come on and had a look at him and said he was fine. And Ray, I'll, I'll bow to their superior knowledge, but how much information can possibly be gleaned from yeah. having a look at a guy on his back for 30 seconds and then deciding he has to play on? It's only it's the day after and like weeks to come that concussions truly take effect. So again, I'm not going to sit here and pontificate about it because I'm not I'm not an expert in the field, but I just don't like seeing players play on after a clear, like very dangerous head knock you saw him immediately he just grabbed his head and he stopped running he, he sort yeah. of st- stumbled a couple of steps and then it was only when the bullet went out of play he went down so again it's just unpleasant what was bizarre to me is that we've got this whole conversation taking place just now about head knocks and concussion and how dangerous it is and it's been a topic of conversation in sport for maybe the past five years mm, seriously yeah. kind of thing been taking it seriously yeah, football is sort of just letting that work away in the background whilst we carry yeah. on with, with how we've been doing. There's no there's no moratorium on getting knocked out. We're not saying, <laughs> no. you know, we're not saying, well, we'll, 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 like you say, let's just do a temporary sub until the doctors get back to us and let us know what yeah. they think. We're just going, ah, get, getting amongst it. Good on them, good on them for continuing. <laughs> brave, so um, bloody, bloody brave. But uh, knock knockouts aside, we won the game. Uh, that yep. was Celtic won the First five five wins out of the first five league games yeah. since two thousand and ten, and who was the manager then, Millie? Neil Francis. Neil Francis. <laughs> These games they're going to happen, as I said. And do you know what? Five down, thirty three to go for the nine. I'm going to take every win this season. You have to. You I absolutely said, yeah. have to. My mate, after uh, the Cluj game, I said to him, what are we going to do? And he said, one game at a time. So every time we get a win, he just texts me one game at a time, <laughs> ticking them off. On the way to nine, and then just put adding that pressure to Rangers as well because we're looking like a juggernaut. We can grind out results. Yeah. We can go and hammer teams. We can go away to their den and beat them, and so it's all good. And, and sometimes it's not even Melly. I was thinking about a similar analogy earlier on. Sometimes it's it's not about being the juggernaut, smashing every team five and six. Now Stephen, you can't so, do it. Every... Sometimes it's just about turning the screw. Yeah, just yes, keep turning yes. the screw. Increment. Just went. You know, they'd be looking at that going. Oh, it's only one 0 You know, Hamilton might nick something in the last couple, yeah. and then we win the game, and then they've got to go and do it all again. And it's just that it's water yeah. torture. <laughs> I absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And these these games are all just wee individual puzzles to be solved. And however you manage to do that is is absolutely fine by me. I know we would all love five 0 every single week, especially if you've predicted that we'll beat the scoring record, much like <laughs> I have. The one any more one predict the points record as well? Yeah, was that right? Yeah. Um, no, so I don't want any more one nils there. But again, we talk about. The these games all the time we see them so many times throughout a season and, and quite often like Brendan Rodgers had a couple of turkeys in, in games such as these oh. where they started drawing nothing each quite a lot and so as they kind of be taken for granted these teams are well not that great uh, are hard to beat at times and that's that's kind of what they were on Saturday well from Hamilton to singing in the rain <laughs> it's um <laughs> you like that <laughs> um, the Europa League kicks off this Thursday Celtic start away to Rennes as we've already discussed on the Patreon we will have the match companion instant reaction and a preview to that match will be released shortly after the game Ren currently sitting in second place and how do you pronounce that French league? Ligue 1 Ligue 1 they're, they're currently sitting in second place in Ligue 1 they've got a couple of scalps in so de, far this season place 2 in Ligue 1 what's yeah. the third one Stephen? Christ <laughs> 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 oh there you go your standard grade French came back a um, couple of scalps for Ren in the, in the Ligue 1 Melly yeah they've had a decent start second in the league the blistering start actually won their first three games mm. including a 2-1 win over PSG but just before the international break lost uh, to Nice managed by Stephen 
Uh, Patrick Vieira. Oh, was it? Oh, oh, of course, so is. is. Yeah, he's doing quite well there. And then they drew nil nil with Brest at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so they've, uh, they've. We'll see how they go. They've good start. Won the league. Uh, won the cup last year. Beat PSG in the final as well. They they've haven't had to qualify for Europe, so it's just been the league for them. Last two games have shown a bit of weakness, so we can pounce on that. I think this is going to be a harder game than maybe mm. some people think because mm. they've not got maybe that reputation in Europe, but a team that can win a trophy in France with PSG, they're winning trebles like us all the time, yep. Lyon, Monaco, etc. Well, Monaco have fallen off a cliff. It's uh, some result, and to start the season after selling one of their best players, uh, Ismaili Sarr, to Watford for £25 million, they've, they've done well, so... It's a, I've made a promise to myself when I made it on this podcast that I'm not going to underestimate any European competition no, no. anymore. Um, the end manager, Julian Stefan, he's a bit of a... He's, he's, I'm trying, I was thinking of who to compare him to. He's only 38 years old. He's one of these He's one of these trendy young managers that someone out there with a blog probably wanted to be the <laughs> right, next Celtic okay. manager. Yeah. You know, One of these very tactically astute. He's, he's very big on video analysis after the games. He's quite fond of a visual metaphor. I was reading <laughs> that. You see, during his halftime team talks, he'll use like an orange or a glass or a feather duster to make his point. Oh, I but, remember a certain... Uh, Portuguese manager getting a pelters for that yeah. in this country called <laughs> Pedro and his glasses <laughs> well that's uh, so he's quite he's quite fun to that his, his dad is the assistant manager of the French national team right. so it's like coaching in the blood there mm. coaching in the blood um, what do you think Stephen do you think Ren are one to fear I mean we, we, we can't have this we're Celtic they're Ren everyone's rubbish we'll smash them because that's not really how it is in no, Europe no it's not um, as we've found out to our, um, that's not to say we, we won't smash them no no of but, course but not but just no. going into the game you can't make that assumption no and away game to start I think the, the cliche is you want to draw your away games and win your home games to give yourself a bit of <laughs> well yeah uh, perhaps unrealistic but <laughs> uh, no, no Ren are, are clearly a good team even a cursory glance at the league table tells you that if they're two points behind PSG after five games they've obviously got something about them and they've competed with PSG they've beaten them as, as Melly said beaten them in the cup final um, so they lost uh, Hatem Ben Arthur then the He's mercurial gone. genius that is it's some player without a club unusually. is he right really? I'll definitely be taking him must be maybe his early 30s now but what, what a player yeah. one of those wasted talents a wasted genius <laughs> Even when you have a look at Ren as well, last season they were in the Europa League, they done well in a right, group yeah. with Kiev, former foes Astana mm. and Joblinek. They finished second. Who when, was that last one? Joblinek. Joblinek. Are you sure? You made that up. Yeah. <laughs> Joblinek, Jablinek, <laughs> whatever. Uh, they got through and they beat uh, Real Betis. Threw three each at home, then went away to Spain and won three one. So that's decent going. Then next round they had Arsenal one three one at home. Then the bottle crashed and they get beat three 0 away. Well, there you so go. they are beatable, but they have went and scored three goals against good teams. It's going to be a tough game, I think. And if I'm looking at the the league, they're probably going to finish top of this group. I'd say. Oh, you think so? Yeah. Oh, ahead of Lazio. Mm. Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. Um, Ren, Stephen, we we done a wee bit of seeing how they stack up. Usually play three five two. Um, yeah, that either that or five three two. You know, it's quite it's quite flexible. Both of those, those formations. And we've sort of got a we've got a couple of players we need to look out for. Well, the the name on everyone's lips running about French football just now is the Eduardo Camavinga, who has exploded onto the scene as a sixteen year old. 
um, and seems to it just doesn't look out of place at all. It's like I think he got that's a, revolting. I know he got he got a key assist against PSG recently, which has has gotten kind of a lot of publicity. But he plays he, he plays pretty much every game for them, which is remarkable at sixteen. Uh, now, just to give this a bit of context, he's sixteen years old. Camavinga was not born when the ketchup song was out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, it's, I was just reading, he was one of, he's, if not the, one of the youngest ever professional footballers. Right, yeah. At, at yeah. 16 and one month, which is absolutely ridiculous when you look at it. Came through the youth system at Rennes, um, which is incidentally where the manager came from. So a bit of the Neil Lennon thing, managed the youth to reserves and then ended up as the first team coach. A famously productive youth system yep. at Rennes as well. They've had loads of big players. Wiltord, I think, was Johan Gurkouf have, have all come through oh, the Rennes like system. Yeah, um, Jan and Via. Yeah. yeah, but he was tipped for big things. That's right. Um, so... It's he's just the, the the latest one off that conveyor belt as they call it. He, uh, I don't know sixteen and they're pulling the strings already. Defensive midfielder. That's the same play. He plays in midfield. Yeah, yeah plays in centre midfield, but he can do a bit of everything. He's he's kind of if you were attaching a label, it would be sort of defensive midfielder, but he does a bit of everything. Left sided. So uh, whilst I was researching this podcast, I was just looking to see you know who's the top goal scorer for Ren um, in the league, and it's. Uh, Nyang, a player called Nyang, right. um, he's got two goals for them in the league at the moment. But there's there's doubts whether or not he'll make it. Who is the top goal scorer though in French football presently? Can't even Neymar. He's not really played yet. You're right. It's not. <laughs> Thank you. Now my work is done here. I was correct. There's a reason I'm asking this question, Melly. Oh, who do we know? Musa. 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 Yeah. <laughs> All aboard the goat boat. Musa Dembele sitting top. Absolutely. Was he, he's averaging something like a goal every hour every for, 67 yeah. minutes outrageous we were bumped at yeah, 20 million absolutely. that was 20 million they're not doing too well but I think they've only got 8 points this season yeah. so they're, they're still not far off the top but uh, how's it feel Musa eh? yeah. how's it feel he'll be getting he'll be getting a big move soon oh yes right. um, Simon Tierney asks and will lead us on to our next point realistically what is a good result on Thursday Ooh, I think you'd absolutely take the hand off you for a draw, yeah. wouldn't you? I think that'd be a smashing result, smashing you start. Don't, to you don't want to sound group. defeatist, but it, yeah. ultimately, an, an away draw in a group of this nature is a good result, regardless yeah. of where you're going. I think I think you'd want to plan for. As I said, it's, it seems a bit silly and a wee bit kind of cliched, but away draws, I'll, I'll take. Yeah, bite, bite the hand off you. Look, look at uh, last last year. We we got the six points against Rosenberg. So if we can get the six points against the weakest team, which will be Cluj, and we can take Enton away from home in the other two uh, away games, Lazio and Ren, be good to start off this game. Both teams are going into it, probably not knowing too much about each other. So it's a good opportunity for us. If I'm being honest, I'm looking for a good performance. Yeah. I'm not looking for a disheartening. 3-0, let in the usual goal within the first five minutes. You know all the old cliches. <laughs> yep. As long as we get a good performance, we don't look like we're under the cosh for the whole game and we look pretty sound defensively because I know we can score. We've scored in every game under Lennon. That, the weekend there was the first time we'd, we'd scored less than what, two goals in a game. So we've got we've got goals in us. It's just to see if we can keep the back door shut. Well, on that, it's a big opportunity for Odson Edward, obviously back playing in his, his home oh, country. Yes. He knows that he is in the spotlight just now. Yeah. We've seen all the videos that were being shared around of his goals for France under-21s. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that gets, gets you attention. Now, we're not in the business on this podcast of selling our players. We don't like to talk in these terms, but I think we all accept that the clock is ticking on Odson Edward. So... If he's got any kind of ambitions of getting a move, much like Mr. Dembele did, uh, then what better place to turn up than in a European competition against his his countrymen? 
Um, we can, Celtic have definitely got goals in them. We've seen that. Um, Edward can definitely score. And Cham might, might be worth a shot in this game for the, for similar reasons. He's another one who probably wants that big move and he needs to shine on this stage if, it, if he's got any chance of getting it. James Forrest is more than capable of getting goals, but again, as you say, Mel, it's just the the back door. Keep that keep that back door bolted shut. The defence, but I'm more confident in this defence than I am in the last couple yeah, of absolutely. years' defence. So I think it was pretty solid. I think it will be the same back four that was uh, played at the weekend. Deserve to keep their place. Yeah, I think it is going to be a really tough game. As I said, reputation wise, they've maybe not got that, but they're full of good players. Uh, Brought in uh, Raphael from Sporting on the last day of the transfer window, so he only played at the weekend, made his debut. So, be interesting to see how we do. As, as I say, as long as it's not a big disheartening defeat, but we went to Rens before and got a result. So yes, we did. More on that coming up. Yeah. <laughs> We've actually already played Ren this season. Was yeah. that, if I remember correctly, was that not the first home game yeah. of the season under Neil Lennon's new tenure as manager? Now I'm going to it just read big- out. The big friendly of this season. Yeah, I'm going to read you out the squad just as an indication of how much you think the squad might have changed between Neil Lennon's first home game and then coming back around to Ren a couple of months later. And goal was Craig Gordon. Mm-hmm. So he's probably not going to play. No. Uh, the back line was made up of Anthony Ralston, Nier Bitton, Christopher Julian, who made his debut. Uh, home debut. Was it his home debut, I think, or his debut? debut? Must have been his home yeah, debut. Been, yeah. um, and Johnny Hayes, I think you're probably looking at just one of them, <laughs> is going to play. The midfield was Brown, Connell, Ewan Henderson. Connell, that's, and close, I, that's right, yeah. Again, not many there. No. Lewis Morgan, Scott Sinclair and Lee Griffiths with the front <laughs> tie. So, Two or three, max. Yeah. And, and that's how, that, I mean, admittedly it was a friendly yeah. and players would be playing, but that's how far in just a couple of months Neil Lennon's team has come. Um, there, I just touched on Stephen, there has been a couple of other meetings we're in. Played them in a friendly in 2015, winning 2-0. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Ronnie, right, Ronnie under, another uh, preseason, yeah. Under Ronnie, but there was also a couple of more famous encounters, <laughs> Stephen, which I think you're going to talk us through. Well, yeah, of course. October 2011, the 20th of October, Rennes won, Celtic won. A game most famous for <laughs> a spectacular own goal scored by Don't You Wish Your Right Back Was Chad Uri. No, <laughs> no, I absolutely don't wish that. Whoa. Trajectory kick. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. That can't happen, can it? Not at this level. One of the best own goals ever scored. Yeah. Uh, he kind of <laughs> slammed it past the on-rushing <laughs> Fraser. For, that, that's how it works in my mind. <laughs> when I picture it, I imagine Chaudhary taking it down and just unleashing an absolute pile driver into the bunker. <laughs> but he just, right in, the reality, corner. in reality, he just slides it right past him. Foster's got no chance. The thing is, Chaudhary is under almost no pressure at the time as well. He's facing his keeper. There's opposition player a bit behind him but it's not like he's right up he's it's not like he's been hard pressed and he simply must release the ball he could have turned he you know, turned and faced either way and, and yet he just buried it into the bottom corner it was, it was, and it was, grinned away aye that was what I was going to say right after it it was his face it was his like what am I like what am I like face important to remember as well that that was the that goal opened the, the score in that game and it was only a few days, five days or something after that three straw at Rugby Park. Remember the, yeah, the game that almost yeah. did for Neil Lennon? So <laughs> to, to have pitched up straight from that game where you've just about salvaged your season and your job and then Chaudhary goes and does that. <laughs> it was uh, salvaged by 
Chatch sandwiched by Joe Ledley yeah. on, on the night. Um, the home game, though, we ended up winning that 3 1 with goals through Anthony Stokes got two and Gary Hooper got the other one. Um, just having a wee look, Melly, you've already said that you think that Wren are going to be the top of this league. I think most people's pick would be Lazio. Um, now, that's because, Melly, as we hear, Lazio are actually having a bit of a stinker of a season. They've only won one of their three games of, uh, of the league. They languish currently in ninth place. Um, Looking elsewhere at the group, we've got Cluj as well. We've got a bit of revenge to get back on them. How do you think we're going to do? I'm quite optimistic. I think we will compete in every game. I think the key, again, like last season, if we can beat Cluj twice, which we're more than capable yeah. of doing. I know we didn't beat them in the summer. but I say aim for away draws, but we could definitely go and gub Cluj. Yeah. And they're definitely due one. Yep, we've, we've improved since then. We've improved our defence a lot and Elianusi coming in and improved the front line. So I think we're looking at a, bit, a much better squad. Lazio not doing great, but it's always going to be difficult going to Rome if we can get something out there. And as Stephen says, win your home games and maybe one away game, we should be okay. That's in a perfect world. It's going to be every game, as you say. We're not going to write MD off. These are all going to be difficult games. It's not going to be a skoosh. It's going to be a very interesting group. I think, and I think it might be a bit like last year's where teams take points off each other and it, that's good for us because that's the only reason we got through last year. <laughs> I was going to say, cause <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. we could sneak through yeah. by a goal scored elsewhere. Again, this that I would definitely take it. What was that guy's name again? Remember the guy who Tony scored it? Oh, of course. Uh, right. How could I forget? Yeah, I you not get your mug with Tony? <laughs> <laughs> um... So, yeah, I, th- I think this is going to be tougher. As I promised this year not to underestimate any European competition. If you think Ren are going to top the group melee, I think that puts us third. Oh. Really, I think that leaves us third. I want to see us take a scalp, though. I think Lazio at Parkhead is going to be absolutely rocking. Oh, that would be a good one. At least third place lets us drop back down into the... No, wait a minute. Oh, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't exist yet. Wait, it doesn't that, exist that, yet. Hey. The, you know what they're going to call that league, apparently? One of the names we play the European Conference <laughs> for that third, for that third European. T- what a terrible name that is! Sounds like some sort of business thing. Aye, right? Absolutely terrible, an absolutely terrible name. Because teams are a lot different nowadays. Like maybe Ren don't have the the stature of other teams. But looking back on last year, that uh, Leipzig game, the that result looks so much better. That's yep. a team Aye. flying, competing for the German title this year. It was a very very good result, and I think. Maybe in a way, or years to come, that will be seen as a bit of a scalp. So yeah. I'd like to get another one this season. Any other business? I suppose. I suppose we should talk about a returning Celtic stopper coming <laughs> back to the club. Yeah. Dan Lodi, um, famous for well, <laughs> um, scored against Rangers. Scored yeah, against yeah, Rangers. Yes, yes there we go. Um, he returns to Celtic as the under 18s manager. Now, there's a lot of people, as they tend to be with with Celtic this year. Anything that happens, up to high dough. <laughs> Um, they think this is a bit jobs to the boys now he takes the place of Steve McManus who moved up to the reserve side Daniel D was previously an under 18's coach yeah. at Motherwell and he's moved in to be under 18's manager is it jobs to the boys does it really matter because you know we, we it's difficult to know what happens at Celtic because we we don't have a director of football presumably so mm. is, it's a, if we had a director of football directing exactly how the under 18's team would work then presumably Daniel D would come in and slot into that picture and do as instructed. But as under-18s manager, does he get free reign to do what he wants with these guys? Oh, I think it's a bit different. It will be the head of youth, Chris McCart, that will right, make these appointments. He, he was the one that brought in Stephen McManus. And 
I wouldn't say his job's for boys. I've met Stephen McManus a couple of times and he's, he's really... been on this podcast. Yeah, no, yeah. of course. He's really a ticket. He knows what he's talking about. Darnell D, I've not met him, but see if he knows what he's doing. He'll be a competent coach. They're not going to put in a guy that isn't qualified to do it. And these guys know what it takes. They know what it takes to make the breakthrough at Celtic. Very, very difficult. And these guys have came through. Steve McManus has captained the team. Went on to win the league. Down the he's won the league. He's won the cup. He's played in the Champions League. These guys know what it takes. And I think we should be having more of that around the club. I think part of the question arises, though, from the fact that Daniel D retired from Dundee, Stephen, at the end of last season. Yeah. He only joined Motherwell this summer. Is that right? Yeah, so, so he's, he's only right. done a okay. couple, he's only done maybe two months at Motherwell, then he's on to Celtic. Well, I suppose it's just a, one of these kind of opportunities that's come up that's too good to, to turn down for him. I know it might not be the most experienced, but on the jobs of the boys thing, it's either that, oh, that kind of Celtic-minded stuff, like when you're appointing such and such a job, is he, is he a Celtic man? Is he Celtic-minded? Doesn't he apply to the under-18s? Because it's no impress the fans. I don't think the fans yeah. really care who the, the under-18s coach is at the end of the day. Uh, so I don't think... Is he the most qualified guy for the job? I, I just don't know. Who who was he up against? Because to me, Darren O'Dea, on the surface of things, seems perfectly qualified for it, as long as he has the, the relevant badges and so on. Because he, he's been there. He, he came up through the, these ranks and he knows presumably knows what it takes. To, to make it through at Celtic and become a professional footballer. So it, in a sense, he's almost not uniquely, but there's not that many people who have done that. We had Sean Maloney on a Patreon episode many, many months ago now, and he was talking about his role there. And he, just on your point about how, how whether he has control of that team mm. or whether he's just this kind of scaled down, like they kind of mirror what goes on above them. I think Sean Maloney didn't, he denied that, didn't he? He said he basically, he forms his team yeah. the, the way he wants to. So, Darren O'Day will presumably have much the same control. He'll form a team the way he wants, and it's not just a, a sort of facsimile of the, the first team in order to get them ready for that. I know he wasn't that popular a player towards the end because he absolutely done Tom Rogic. He Remember did that, he did that. that. So right, I, yeah. I wonder if that's still hanging around in people's people's minds. That was an absolutely disgraceful challenge. Interesting career, but he was in Ukraine and all sorts. Yeah, he's had a couple of international caps as well, hasn't he? Yeah, I'm yeah, pretty sure, yeah. He's, I mean, he is, he is fully qualified for the role, so it's not a case of they've just plucked down on you because he was a Celtic a Celtic player in the past. But again, that is important because he knows what, what what's to come yeah. through. He's done a bit of work for Celtic in the past. He was an international coach, so he travelled to sort of Boston and Oklahoma and these other soccer camps that America, that Celtic have o- right, right. O- over another continent and sort of brought the Celtic coaching philosophy. So um, nah, but does he have contacts that made getting the job a wee bit easier? Yeah. Maybe he does. Maybe he's got some pals in the club, but I'm not really concerned that they've given it away to just just some guy willy nilly just because he happens to have played for Celtic. I don't. I don't because really. Because if they were going to do that, there's other people you could yeah, give yeah, the job absolutely. to other than Dan O'Dea. He's, yeah. he's not like the most glamorous name. And on that, we shall end this episode of Twenty Minute Times. Thanks to everyone who listens and leaves us kind reviews and tweets us, and especially thanks to the patrons who support us and, and give us some questions to help pad out what could have been a. <laughs> Thin, thin episode. I'm supposed to say that. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, but most of all, thanks for listening.
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.